Um, but let's open up in a prayer. Uh, Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, that uh, we're all here. We thank you, um, Lord, I want to thank you for each person in this room, um, for who you have made them to be, um, and how you have walked alongside of them uh, their whole lives up until this point. And Lord, I just pray that you would make that more evident than ever um, right now. And Lord, we, we, um, we want to pray that you would continue to walk alongside of us, and that, Lord, we would uh, follow the voice of your son, Jesus, and recognize his voice as our shepherd. We pray this uh, and pray a blessing on this forum. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so this is a, a forum, and so I really um, think that forums should be really interactive, and so that's what I'm really, really hoping for. This is a, this is a topic that is extremely broad. Um, it's pretty much as broad as it gets, I think, you know, becoming godly men. Um, but I think each of us are bringing important um, perspectives, important life experiences um, to this discussion in a way that we can help each other out. And so I really want it to be um, conversational and to hear everyone's, everyone's input. Um, All right. Be a man. Okay, who's heard that phrase spoken to them before? Okay. All right. Um, yeah, like what, for those of us who have heard that spoken before, um, either to us or, you know, to a friend or whatever, um, what does it mean uh, when someone says that? Or what could it mean? Toughen up. Yeah, like what? What would be the the uh, kind of um, what would be the the life event where someone would say, you know, be a man, like toughen up? What's the situation? Okay, good. Others. Or if you're complaining about how you hurt your elbow or something like that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Don't complain about pains. You know, just uh, keep it to yourself. Yeah. Right? Okay, good. Okay. Wow. Has that happened to you? Okay. Yeah, that'd be a pretty extreme situation, right? Where someone breaks their leg and... Uh, just be a man. Okay. Take responsibility. Okay, so what would be the situation behind that? Uh, say a few of your friends have uh, you. Um, one of you guys have done something, and the teacher is like, all right, you can do this, and you know that you did it. Yeah, okay. Take responsibility for what you've done. Okay. Excellent. Any others? There's a lot of different ways... Um, we can take what it means to be a man. And um, I'm going to want to explore that a little bit more. But before we get into, into more of the specifics of what it could mean, um, we've got some good examples here. I want to go further into them. Um, who are the different people in your life um, who have been trying to tell you what it means to be a man? Or even even going, going back. Okay, we've talked about what, what it means when someone says be a man. But what... Does it actually mean to be a man? 
there's some obvious things, and um, there are not so obvious things, maybe. But uh, what are what are there are lots of things um, that that could be the case. What does it mean to be a man? Maturity. Maturity. Okay, so you're not a boy anymore. You've grown to a certain stage of your life. Okay, good. Others. Okay, responsibility. Yeah, um, you know how to like do basic tasks in life. You um, are being like uh, going to work. You're getting a job. You're um, being responsible for the people around you. Okay, good. Being respectful. Respectful. Okay. It's a good one. Others. Take charge and be a leader. Okay, I feel like I should should have been writing these down. Um, Some others were mentioned that I've forgotten already. Maturity. Maturity. Maturity, what was that last one? Being a leader. Thank you. Yeah, what does that even mean? Integrity. Doing the right thing. Doing the right thing, okay. When no one's looking. Okay. Yeah, um... When I think of integrity, I think of, um, my, my mind goes right to like structural terms, like the integrity of a building or of a bridge. Um, it has integrity if it's all connected the way it's supposed to be, right? If it's not going to fall apart. Um, and so if someone has integrity, that means that they're not more than one person, right? That who you are at home is the same person you are at school, which is the same person you are at work, which is the same person you are on the internet, um, integrity. Good. Um, other things. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. Okay. What do we mean by that? We actually have to give something up that's meaningful to you for the sake of someone else or something else. Okay, good. Priorities? Okay, being able to prioritize what's important and what's not. Okay. Okay, excellent. Yeah. Submitting. Okay, what do people think about that? What's that? It's not manly. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of, 
don't know, like, I think that goes really against the grain of a lot of what we're told about what it means to be a man, right? No, don't be like docile and go along and submit. Like, be a man, take charge, leadership, right? Yeah, so some of these things that we're told what it means to be a man, like, they're, they might seem contradictory and um, um, they might, there might be some friction in, in some of these definitions. But I, um, I, I want to save that for, for later, but I think that's a really important one, actually. Good. Well, who are the people who, who tell us what it means to be a man? Who's, who's taught you how to be a man? Parents. Okay, parents. Good. Older brothers. Older brothers, that's a good one. Sisters. <laughs> yeah. What's that? Yeah, I think sisters is a good one. Yeah. Like, um, not like good, like maybe in the best ways, but like, like school friends and things like that try to shape us. Like, you know, this is what she would need to be if you want to be a man. Yeah. Also the media, in the same kind of way. Mm-hmm. Okay, how so? Before we get to yours. How does the media shape our conceptions of what it means to be a man? How they portray men in movies or okay. newspaper ads. Okay, shows. movies, advertisements, TV shows. Um, and is there like a, are there stereotypical male roles like... Whoa, whoa, how does, how does the media present masculinity? Football. <laughs> Football? Okay. Yeah, like, well, physical contact, yeah. Um, this is maybe not, it, it is in the media, um, but I just thought of, if anyone watched the World Cup, in the, in the final game, in the last minutes, um, one of the German players, like bumped his head and he was like bleeding like from right beneath his eye, like pretty serious. I mean, and then within like three minutes he came back in. Like they just patched him up and threw him back in the game. Yeah. And like my first reaction was like, wow, that's pretty impressive. You know? Mm-hmm. So like in that sense, that's that's just something that I saw like, wow, that that'd be the fact. Yeah. You know? Good. Never giving up. Okay, persistence. Okay, um, good. And I think uh, the in terms of the media, right? Um, like, uh, I think a lot of times we can get um, a conception of how we should look based off of advertisements, right? Um, you know, name name the the. The name brand, right? Wow, you know, you see that picture. I want to look like that guy. That guy will attract a lot of attention. Um, <laughs> um, and uh, we can end up kind of modeling how we should look as a man based off of kind of what people are trying to sell us, um, which is interesting. Because um, what's happening then is masculinity is becoming a commodity to be marketed. Okay. You're not really a man unless you look like this. Okay? Um, or 
going back to like other media representations, you know, you're not a man unless you kind of act like this in this certain situation, which is depicted in this way in these films or movies or whatever. The culturally overall, like develop certain ideas of what it means to be a man. Different cultures have like different ideas of masculinity. Yes. Okay. So masculinity, we have this conception here in North America. If you go, let's say, to <coughs> Central Africa to a remote village, they might have a very different, perhaps some similar conceptions of what it means to be a man. Yeah, and so how much of our masculinity is um, constructed by the society around us? I think that's an excellent question. Yeah, and how old were they when they would do that? Yeah, so like different rites of passages, right? Uh, depending on the culture, maybe it's 13, maybe it's 16, maybe it's 18. Um, but different cultures have different ways of initiating from when you become a boy to when you become a man. Yeah. Yeah. And culture changes over time, right? If you were to look at concept, North American conceptions of masculinity 200 years ago, um, it looked quite different from what it looks like today. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So what it means to be a man um, maybe becomes a little less certain when you're looking at like all these different factors in the culture. It might seem like a, an ocean of things to choose from, and how do, you, how do we know what, what being a man really is? <clears throat> Good. Um, you had your hand up. Okay. Counselors. Counselors. Okay. Maybe along with that too, mentors. Mentors. Yeah. Well, okay. Okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, um, something obvious that no one has said before, like to be a, a man, um, a lot of people would say it means to be a male, right? You know, just it's kind of like a biological reality. Right? Um, now that's actually something that's being questioned these days, right? Well, I have a male body, but, you know, I'm really a woman trapped inside of a male body. I mean, there are people who... Believe that. And you guys, at the forum yesterday, right, um, that Scott Kilberger had, um, the T on LGBT is uh, transgender, which means people who feel that they are, you know, one gender trapped inside another um, sex's body. Um, so, but usually, usually, we, when we think of men, we think of males, right? I think everyone in this room um, would... Um, good. Okay, well, I'm going to where we're at here. Oh. <laughs> Any other thoughts on this? Because what I want to do is, um, the, the title of this, this forum is Becoming Godly Men. 
And what I want to do is unpackage uh, each one of those words, right? What does it mean to be a man? Um, what does it mean to be godly? Uh, and what does it mean to... Why did I? Why did we? Uh, why do we talk about it as becoming? Um, I think uh, it's it's a process, right? Uh, it's something where you know it's not all of a sudden, you know I've arrived. Uh, God is continually shaping me into who I was meant to be. <coughs> okay. Um, so. Uh, what are what's the biblical definition of manhood? Spiritual leader. A spiritual leader. Okay, we've already kind of got a leader up here, but um, spiritual leader. Do you want to package that a little bit more? In what contexts or especially in the context of a family, like the head of the household, you're supposed to lead the family to follow God. Okay. taking care of family, that's uh, not acceptable. Okay. If we don't work, we won't eat. Yeah. Um, if you're married, you don't commit adultery. Okay, so faithfulness, fidelity. Yeah, and faithfulness, I mean, definitely is part of the, the marriage relationship, right? But it's also, it, it, I think, uh, the, the biblical definition of, of faithfulness, it, it expands beyond that, right? Faithfulness to, you know, the rest of our family. Faithfulness to, you know, our friends, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, yeah, it extends to every, every relationship. Yeah. Someone had their hand up over here? Yeah. Um, Okay. Um, so along with faithfulness, that, that was in the context of marriage or otherwise, but also purity. Yeah. Purity. That's um, been a discussion before on camp, uh, at camp, right? How to be pure. Um, in our minds, you know, in our hearts, in our bodies. Childish things that are being referred to there. Um, 
Carelessness, yeah, just not really caring. Just going and then thinking later. Yeah? Uh, I think there's just like, like it's alright to be joking around and stuff, but there's also times to be serious. Sometimes children or younger kids don't realize when that is. Yeah, just being able to discern when it's a good time to joke around, right? when it's appropriate, and when it's appropriate to be serious. Yeah, that's excellent. That's an excellent point. I know I've, I've gone too far sometimes. I'm like, oh man, looking back, that I really regret <laughs> joking about that. Um, yeah, it's just something you learn as you mature. Good. Other thoughts? Biblical manhood. I, I really appreciate how a lot of you are quoting scripture because you know we can just throw something out there and call it biblical manhood, but you know, if it's not in the Bible, right, if you can't find something to support it, um, then we really need to dig deeper on that. Um, I think also just like looking people in the Bible to see how they live. Okay. Okay. That's an interesting one. Okay. Can we say that like Every man in like the narrative of the Bible is someone who we can emulate in every aspect of their lives. No. 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 Yeah. There's one that we can. Okay, there's one that we can. And who's that? Jesus. Jesus, yeah. And um, that's, um, that's really getting to the heart of what we're going to be talking about today. Um, <clears throat> because if you think about it, Jesus... Um, is both fully God and fully man, right? Um, 100, it's not 50% God, 50% man, right? It's 100% God, 100% man. And so in a world where kind of we were created as male and female, we were created in God's image, um, we've fallen from that. Um, like we see all these possibilities of what it could mean to be a man. Right? And we've kind of explored some of those avenues. Like, what does the world say that it means to be a man? Um, but, like, God has brought us the man, right, to show us what it means to truly be a man. Um, and at the same time, 100% God, like, if we want to be godly, like, who's the earthly example we should follow? Jesus. Um, Yes. Um, so yeah, I think we should. I think we can look to the, the 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 biblical narrative. We can look to the stories and the the men who are in there. But we also need to to recognize that they are fallen, and that even though the narrative kind of the the story talks about their their strengths and failures, it doesn't always say it doesn't always evaluate their lives. Right? It just kind of says it how it is. And then you know, David did this, or and then Noah did this. Um, you know, David, Noah, we, we hold these people up as godly men, and yet they made some really fatal errors in their life. Yeah. Good. Still don't have it up. It's okay. Um,
Okay, um, one thing that I want to look at is Genesis. Um, Genesis uh, 1 and 2. Just as, um, this is like a snapshot. If we're talking about humanity, and more specifically what it means to be a man, um, it's, I think we're misguided if we just kind of attach ourselves to whatever the kind of the culture is presenting. Because as we've seen, it, it really fluctuates from culture to culture, from time to time. And um, we're really staking our identity on uh, shaky ground if we do that. And so to get to what it really means to be a man, um, we need to get uh, not to like the different labels that are placed on us or that people try and, or the different molds that people try and put us into. Like you need to be this to be a man or you need to be this to be a man. But we should look at what the original intent of God was Oh, wow, it's up there. <laughs> so, um, could someone open up, and uh, it's probably hard to read up there. Um, can you guys read that? Yeah, okay. What's that? Oh, yeah, let's do that. Okay. Um, so, who would like to read this? And I might, like, stop, like, as, as you read, and we'll... Like, we're going to be finding nuggets of what God intended for us when we were created. Any uh, loud, clear readers? Bill? God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Okay, stop. What do we have there so far? What is God creating here? A couple things, at least. First being. What's that? Powerful being. A powerful being, how so? How is that displayed? He has dominion, he has rule over everything else. Okay, so kind of in charge of a lot of the rest of creation. Good. Namely, one that's after his own image. Yes, yeah. Um, made in the image of God. Okay, if, if we want kind of a definition of manhood. <coughs> this is the starting point right here. Made in the image of God, having dominion over creation. God is giving us responsibility for everything he just created. Everything that he's just called good. God is giving dominion to man over. Good, continue. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created him. Male and female created him and God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree, in which is the fruit, which is the fruit of a tree, no, which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed, to you it shall be for me. To every beast of the earth, to every fowl of the air, to everything that creeps upon the earth, wherein there is life. I have given every green earth for me, and it was good. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Okay, other, other things that we can gather from this. Shout it out. I read it once. 
I think it's significant that it talks about man in relationship with woman. Right? That just didn't create one person out there to be by himself. We were created as social creatures. We were meant for community. We were meant for relationships. Um, we weren't meant to be alone. And also the fact that God is giving us, giving Adam, things which he needs to live, right? So the idea of dependence, right? Dependence upon God for sustenance. God is giving Adam everything that he needs. Okay. Um, who would like to read uh, Genesis 2? There's some selections here. It's not the whole chapter. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air, and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib, which the Lord God had taken from man, made he a woman, and brought her unto the man. Okay, good. What other aspects of biblical manhood can we get from this? We haven't got already. Different dimensions. <coughs> yeah, responsibility to dress and enter the garden of Eden, it says. Yes. Yeah, that's something that wasn't in the first part of the story. Is Adam was tasked with taking care of the garden. Um, so not only kind of relationship with each other, like relationship with uh, within the within a community of other people, but right also a, a sort of relationship with the rest of creation. Um, not only like having dominion over it, right, just ruling it with the rod of iron, but like tending it, like you know, cultivating it. Um, yeah, being a gardener. Also, God was acknowledging um, the need that he gave men for intimacy. In creating Eve for Adam, that was the... He he saw that there was something missing, and that, you know, from Adam's own body, he created Eve. There's not really... Anything more intimate than you know, like having having someone with you there that came from your own body, right? Yeah. So that was God's acknowledgement of man's need for for intimacy. Yeah. So not just not being alone, right? It's much deeper yeah. than that, right? Um, it's just more that it's more than just kind of having people surrounding you. It's having that intimacy, right? I mean, I cut it off right before you know Adam, you know, says you know this is flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. <coughs> Um, that kind of an intimacy. We were created for intimacy. Um, and I think in kind of popular culture or society or just kind of the what we construct around ourselves is this idea of kind of like we need to be, um, I don't know, 
like protected. Like it's it's hard for me to be vulnerable um, and intimate with other people. And so it's something that God has created us for, and yet sometimes I think it's really hard for us in the current way that masculinity is is portrayed um, to have this kind of real type of intimacy. Good. Any other thoughts on this? And we're made from dirt. I guess that's another thing we can get from this. Okay. Um, I want to uh, to go to the New Testament um, because um, I think a lot of times we can. I skipped over some of these questions. Um, so the different expectations that are put on to us to be men. Um, to what extent should we live up to these expectations? Which expectations are you talking about? Like the expectations that are covered up here. Or like any of the expectations that are given to us by any of these sources that we talked about. Yeah. Okay, to the biblical extent. Yeah. Um, good. And here's a question. How strongly should we assert our identity as a man? Like, How hard do I need to work at making sure that everyone knows around me that I'm a man? of trying to prove that you're a man is not where you want to be at, right? Because I feel like just in the fact that you are trying to prove that you're a man speaks to the maturity of where you're at that might suggest that you're not fully there yet. Um, I, I feel like you're 
Um, assertion of being a man should be spoken through your actions and not, well, I guess what it gets at is where your heart's at. If you're, if you're trying to do things to prove that you're a man versus if the things that you are doing are, um, you know, fruits of you being a godly man. Mm-hmm. Good. Uh, <coughs> yeah, just to kind of figure out, can you back off of just kind of, you know, if your identity is in Christ, I don't think you really have to um, really assert your, your identity as a man because it's kind of taken care of. So. Yeah. Excellent. Just, uh, um, just a thought that I had. Um, I saw something on Facebook portrait of a of a, a trainer and a, and a grandmaster. This was a Chinese um, some sort of, of Chinese self-defense. And this this grandmaster was teaching the trainer. And um, the man who took the portrait asked the or the, the trainee rather asked the trainee how does one get to the point to where they can call themselves a grandmaster. And the trainee responds, well, one does not call themselves the grandmaster. Other people begin to call you the grandmaster. So this is not about how we are asserting, asserting ourselves to become a man, but rather we are, um, rather becoming a man takes this aspect of humility and building yourself um, to, in a spiritual sense, building yourself in the, um, in the ways of, of God, in the ways that, that Christ has given us an example. And that, rather, is what makes us a man. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Good. right along with what um, I wanted to bring up next. Um, in the New Testament, um, Paul is, is talking to the, the church in the Galatians. And um, I think it's really important what he says here. For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of, of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Or that goes back to our identity, right? Um, by trying to, you know, identify myself, you know, in this certain um, pattern that uh, has been kind of socially accepted as, as manhood, um, or am I putting on Christ? There is neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. It's not, you know, my masculinity, right? That's the, the defining point of my identity when I'm in Christ. My, the defining point of my identity is Christ himself. And when that happens, everything else falls into place. All right, uh, moving on to godliness. Um, how would someone who does not believe in God describe someone who is godly? A good kid? Okay, I want to write 
modest. Keep on coming. Good morals. Good morals. What's that? Humble. Humble? Slow to anger? Someone who doesn't believe in God would say that, you think? Yeah, I think they see that they are patient and they see that there's something different. Okay. Good, others? Different. Different? That's a good one. Boring. Boring. Good. Others? Peaceful. What's that? Peaceful. Peaceful. What else? Someone who doesn't believe in God, you know, they see you living a godly life, and say, wow, you are so fill in the blank. Joyful? have a really simple frame of mind where they can actually believe yeah. that God exists. Yeah. Weak. Uh, Christians can be seen as weak. Weak. Because we rely on them. Yeah, we use God as a crutch. You pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Does someone have a hand up here? What's that? Interesting? Okay. Okay, hold on. There were three of them. Interesting? What? Teacher's pet. Teacher's pet? Someone who actually respects authority? Yeah, man. <laughs> Dumb. <laughs> what? Meek and lowly. Party pooper. <laughs> Never come to our parties. Yeah. Good? Yeah. Beautiful. Really? <laughs> Can you explain that? <laughs> Sometimes. 
but the, the but enough, uh, someone who doesn't believe in God yes. would describe them. <laughs> they guessed that they did. Okay. Meek. All right. Oh, down here. Yeah. What's that? Closed-minded. How can you believe something that's 3,000 years old? We've gone way past that point. This is 2014. 2014, that's right. But then again, maybe you're open-minded because you're looking back that far and everybody's stuck in 2014. So it depends on where your perspective is. Trusting. Trusting? Okay, good. The list can go on and on. Uh, this is a really good list. The reason why I took time to write all these up here, um, first of all, I think it's important to realize that um, I think people who truly live good lives um, are not always going to have a good reputation. Uh, we see up here some positive things, right? But we see up here some negative things too, right? Um, you know, uptight, closed-minded, freaks, um, hypocrite, you know, gullible, weak, strict, weird. Um, and so I think it's important to realize that fact. You know, uh, in First uh, Peter, I believe it says, all those who live godly lives will what? Will suffer persecution. Um, there's no, like, maybe in there, right? It's, it's pretty certain in that, in that passage. So... Another reason why I think it's important to think about how other people think about us as we try and live out a godly life is often we'll try and fulfill these things in people's minds, right? Um, in order for me to be a godly person, I need to make this kind of positive impression. Usually we don't try and make the negative impression, right? We don't want to come across as weird or closed-minded or strict. Right? We want to come off as all the positive things, right? In order to be a godly man, I need to... Do all these positive things. I need to make sure that people have this kind of impression of me. Okay? Um, at least that's, that's how I've seen my own mind work. Um, <clears throat> and I think, uh, like we've already kind of gotten into this, what are different understandings of godliness within Christian circles? I think, um, I think a lot of those things are up there. Um, now, who are people who have striven to live godly lives? They worked really hard. You know, they put their life into being a godly person. Job, okay, says he was pure, blameless, without fault. Daniel. Daniel, yeah. In, in an area where everyone else was going one way, Daniel had the perseverance, um, the integrity to... You know, continue to follow God in a Babylonian environment. Joseph. Joseph. David. David. Paul. Okay. Who else strove to be godly people? What's that? Thomas. Thomas. The one who got stoned. Wait. Stephen. Okay. Stephen. Yeah. Standing up in the face of opposition. What's that? Abraham. Moses. Good. I mean, like, we have a name every name in the Bible, right? Um, sure, modern ones, too. I don't know. I think, like, Hudson Taylor. 
Hudson Taylor, George Mueller. Okay, these missionaries. Jesus, obviously. Um, <clears throat> in Jesus' time, uh, there were people who were trying really hard to be God. Okay? Um, and uh, we could give them A for effort. Um, and they were actually uh, working really hard. They were the Pharisees. Um, and I think the reason why there's so much talk about the Pharisees when Jesus is talking to them is because it is so easy for us to settle for the picture of godliness that the Pharisees settled for, right? Giving the right impression, okay? If we can come across this way, then we are godly men, okay? And in that culture, that meant having a certain length of robe. That meant having something tied around your, your wrist. Um, you know, that meant saying certain prayers in certain places, um, tithing in certain ways. Uh, because if, if, if you didn't have the New Testament, right, which the Pharisees did not, what was the way to be godly? Follow the law. Follow the law. God has shown us, God has told us what to do if we want to be called God's children, God's people. Let's do it, right? Let's be serious about this. Sounds like a pretty good strategy. Where did they go wrong? Look at the rich and young ruler, right? The example of the rich young ruler who comes to Jesus and says, you know, I look, I've followed the law to a T. I've been perfect. You know, what do I have to, what more do I have to do to get into the kingdom of heaven? Yes. I, that's on a later slide, so glad okay. you brought it up. So, no, it's fine. Let's bring it up now. Um, and so what was the response? You know, this, this rich young man, he's done all the laws, right? I've not done this. I've not done that. I've not done this. Um, you know, I've honored my father and my mother. What more do I need? What does Jesus respond? How does Jesus respond? Sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Yes. Follow me. Come I think, I, yeah, I think That's right. That's right. Go sell everything you have. Give it to the poor and come follow me. And so... Again, we're, going, we're getting pointed back to Jesus. How do you become godly? It's not just by like, following these rules. Because um, often what happens when we try to follow rules is we end up just trying to give the impression that we're following the rules. Right? Um, I mean, most of us would be considered by the people around us as good, good boys, right? good kids. Um, and... Uh, we can fill that role pretty well while still being able to kind of do what we really want to do. Um, and so in order to truly change, we need to be following Jesus, um, who will be able to show us what it means to truly be a godly man. Something that I want to talk about is um, 
There is a difference between um, appearing a certain way and there's a difference between being a certain way. There's a difference between doing something good and there's a difference between that and being good. Uh, I'm going to read a quote. Uh, this is um, from C.S. Lewis. He says, um, There is a difference between doing some particular just or temperate th- action and being a just or temperate man. Someone who is not a good tennis player may know and then may now and then make a good shot. Okay? Like I could be on the tennis court and even though I'm an awful tennis player, I might be able to hit one of those corner shots once in a while. Okay? Um, what you mean by a good player is the man whose eye and muscles and nerves have been so trained by making innumerable good shots that they can now be relied on. They have a certain tone or quality which is there even when he is not playing. Just as a mathematician's mind has a certain habit and outlook which is there even when he is not doing mathematics. In the same way, a man who perseveres in doing just actions gets in the end a certain quality of character. Now it is that quality rather than the particular actions which we mean when we talk of virtue. It's not so much about doing, right? Okay, I need to do this, 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 and then all over again the next day. Um, as much as it's about being. Okay. Um, any thoughts on that? Jesus said, okay, the Pharisees' righteousness is here. And they actually, when the, when the law said this, they would go even further, right? Um, and so Jesus says, your, your righteousness has to exceed that of the Pharisees. Um, so what is the righteousness, what is the godliness um, that we are to pursue? How, sh- how can we possibly be that godly? Seems like an impossible task. But it's not impossible when you decide to follow Christ. When you're with him every day, just like if you were if Jesus if you were around when Jesus was around, if you were walking with Jesus, um, you'd make a lot of mistakes, like we saw the disciples make. But you would also begin to be formed and shaped, not just your actions, right? but formed and shaped into a completely new person. And we already read the, or talked about the story of the rich man ruler, but um, earlier in Matthew 16, 24, um, Jesus gave, gave the challenge to his, his disciples, anyone who wants to follow me needs to take up their cross, die, and follow me. Um, and that's really kind of an upside-down picture of what it means to be a man, I think. Um, you know, I think uh, often uh, being a man means, like, you know, asserting who we are, our strength, our power, um, our virility. But um, this is talking about laying it all down. This is talking about weakness. Jesus was not the epitome of strength, you know, 
as he stood on the cross, or as he, as he hung on the cross, it was a picture of absolute weakness. Now we know that you know, he had control, right? But it's not a picture of strength. Okay, we've already gone over this. How do we become a man? We follow Jesus. He was fully man. How do we become godly? We follow Jesus. He was fully God. Um, and on the last, the last few minutes, I want to, I want us to reflect on kind of the upside down nature of what it means to follow Jesus. Um, Think about Philippians 2, where it says, Jesus, he had all these things, but then he gave it up. And he took on the form of a man. And he went even further, you know, dying on the cross. And then it's at that point where God exalted him uh, in the resurrection. Um, Another passage that you can look up later is 1 Corinthians 1 and 2, where Paul talks a lot about strength and weakness. As, um, as a man, you know, as men, we want to be strong, right? Um, but we need to make sure that we're not copying out for the world's conception of strength. Um, because God's conception of strength is completely upside down from the world's conception of strength. Um, it looks like weakness. It looks like foolishness to look like Christ. So, uh, just to kind of, um, as part of our, our, our wrap-up, like, what are some of the ways, maybe some misconceptions of what it means to be a man, and then what is kind of the upside-down way that Jesus offers us to be godly men? Excellent example. Um, We live in a world where people say, you know, if someone has hurt you, then you have the right, you know, to hurt them back. You know, know, in our culture, you have to do it through the legal system, right? But um, but also in in wartime, too. You know, it's seen as very courageous to go out there and kill your enemy. Um, Jesus calls us to a different kind of courage, which is... Just as risky, probably even more risky, um, where we have to risk our lives to love our enemies. Um, loving our enemies is not avoiding them and just thinking nice thoughts about them, right? It's actually like getting into their lives and showing them that love. And that's very risky business for people who don't like you, who want to hurt you, um, who are on a completely different track. Good. That's a good conception, a Christ-centered conception of what it means to be a godly man. Others, kind of a worldly conception, and then Christ's upside-down conception, or how Christ turns it upside down. Sinners and 
hang out with people who aren't popular or are looked down on for whatever reason. Yeah. Yeah, loners or just people who are kind of on the margins of whatever social group you're in. Most of you are, are still in uh, high school. Um, yeah. To be a man isn't necessarily just going, trying to be in the in-group, right? But um, being at the margins, being at the edges with the people who have been kind of pushed away by the people in the middle. Excellent. In the world, like, being a man is having like, a really a good job and making a lot of money, having nice cars and stuff like that. Jesus was like very humble and he wasn't he was a carpenter. He didn't have to do his job, he didn't make a lot of money, but he you know, took his job stress and he was very Yeah, awesome. I think that's a really important thing because I think it's a very popular perception, right? To go from boyhood to manhood, um, one way of looking at it is you essentially get control of a lot of stuff, right? Car, house, um, money, whatever. And Jesus told people again and again, hold on to that stuff loosely. Or to some people, get rid of it. Right? You're so attached to it, you need to get rid of it. Um, where you're not kind of serving yourself. Okay, what's my 10, 15 year plan for me and my family? Um, no. Outward focus. Giving, giving things away. Good. Others? Something I think is a really popular conception, even I think sometimes within the church, is that... Um, you know, men are, you know, they have the leadership roles or, you know, they go to work. Um, and then when, you know, they get back home, just kind of sit back and kind of let the wife do all the cooking and the cleaning and all that stuff. And it can happen in, in, in church too, right? Where, oh, the kid, don't volunteer. If you're a guy, don't volunteer for kitchen duty at church. You know, that's, that's the women's department. Um, I think what's really interesting in the life of Jesus Right, um, though ex- exactly those kinds of embodied service, like where you are going and serving someone one on one, that would usually be you know something that you know a slave or a woman, someone kind of in in a non dominant role would do. Jesus is the one filling those roles. So how can we? Find those ways of embodied service, those small things, right? Where we can kind of turn cultural conceptions of masculinity on edge, uh, on, on their head, and uh, serve from the bottom under. Yeah, just uh, some closing things. Um, and I hope that the discussion can continue, and if, if any, this has sparked any, um, any ideas or any interest that you guys can continue to talk to them, or feel free um, to um, talk to me about it. Uh, but some things to, to, to leave us with as we close. Um, some barriers to, to watch out for, and I would like you to contribute to this if, if there are more. I know there's a lot more. But um, I think barriers to becoming you know, a Christ-like man, a godly man, is selfishness, right? I'm just so caught up in my own, writing my own life story, right? I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, um, that we've really 
we're really not following Jesus at all. We're following what we've written out for our own life. We're writing, we're writing our own script, right? And that's a form of selfishness. Um, so I know I often need to be challenged with that and redirected. Um, and I think all of us do. I think sometimes we can lack courage. Um, as we talked about, uh, being a godly person isn't always going to be giving a wonderful, wonderful persona to everyone around you. Um, Godliness is going to rub people the wrong way in a world that's without God. And that takes courage. It takes courage to do those things. And like, like we talked about in the forum yesterday, um, in Scott's forum, right? Uh, it's not just kind of going up and saying, you know, you're going to hell. And like, that's, that's not the kind of courage we're talking about. Right? I guess that takes a level of courage, but it's misdirected courage. Not the courage to kind of attack your enemies, but to love them. Like what was pointed out earlier. Um, that takes true courage. Uh, comfort. Um, getting out of our comfort zones. Um, I really enjoy a stable environment. Okay? And I've been at points in my life where I know where God is trying to pull me is a better place. I know it. But I want to stay where I'm at because I'm comfortable with what I know. I'm comfortable with what I'm used to experiencing. And we need to allow God to pull us out of that and into the unfamiliar. Um, pride, I think, is, is definitely a barrier. Um, like, in order to live kind of the upside-down life that Jesus wants us to live, pride is the first thing that we need to let go. The life that Jesus calls to live is, like, all the bottom stuff, right? Where, where the true life is really found. Or at least what the world would consider, you know, life at the bottom. And then... Um, I think hypocrisy is a huge barrier to living a truly godly, godly life, as we talked about. You can not only deceive others into thinking that you're a godly man, right? you can deceive yourself too. If everyone is telling you, oh, good job, oh, you know, you're so good, um, and you keep on doing the types of actions that will get that type of feedback, eventually, like, you're going to be convinced, hey, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good, Right? Avoid hypocrisy, right? It's not about doing, it's about being. Being conformed into the image of Christ. Okay, any closing thoughts? Okay. Jacob, would you close in prayer? Dear Lord, we want to thank you for this day that you've given us. Thank you that we gathered here this morning. As young men, Lord, um, trying to find out what it really means to be a godly man, a man fashioned after your own likeness, and I just want to pray that as we would leave here, um, that some of the things that we've learned about would uh, stick with us, but that there would be... um, that there would be a, a fire inside of us, Lord, to seek out more of what you have created us to be as men. And that um, that we would seek to know those things and that we would seek to embody those things, Lord. I just want to pray that you would be with us on through the rest of the day. And uh, just bless us, Lord. I pray this in your name.